Rami. And I'm Shannon, and this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read, heard, or experienced to help all of us expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy, but without a whole new degree. Rami, what are we talking about this week? We are talking about Dickens and Prince. Um, Wait, Prince like son. your son? Not my son. Prince like the music uh, my artist? Son, my son is named after Prince, the music artist. Um, but fun fact is that prince's first name was prince it wasn't like a moniker it wasn't a nickname his full name is prince rogers nelson oh so, i didn't yes, know that s- sorry i thought yeah. you were talking about your son when you were just talking about that and then when you said no no rogers it's his nelson, middle name i was like no <laughs> no but that's like his name was prince like <clears throat> his actual real first his name given his given, his given name, name was. was prince yeah which i think people think it was like a nickname, but like, no, the kid, his name was Prince. Uh, my son is also named Prince, but his middle name is Prince. His first name is my name. It's Rami. So we're talking about Dickens and Prince. Uh, Nick Hornby wrote a book. I would call it like a short book, but a book about the two of them. Nick Hornby is a very famous and prolific writer of books, um, which have been turned into movies. Uh, High Fidelity is one of them. Shannon, you're going to have to know one of these. So I'm going to just name a bunch and you're going to tell me that you know that they exist. No, fun fact. I know all of these because my husband is a huge Nick Hornby fan. See, Nate, (laughs) I like you. Okay, so High Fidelity, About a Boy, Fever Pitch, uh, A Long Way Down, Slam. Those are some of the ones that became movies. He also wrote um, a bunch of screenplays, not based off of his own books, either based off of original ideas or uh, other books. So Brooklyn, the movie with uh, Saoirse Ronan, he wrote. Oh, yeah. The Wild. I think that's the one with Reese Witherspoon in it. In Education, he wrote. That's the one with Carrie Mulligan. And then he created Shannon, State of the Union, that show that we like, where the couples meet for like five minutes before they go to therapy. Wait, I don't think I've seen this show, but I need to see this show. You're the one who told me about the show. I The show Couples Therapy? No, State of the Union. I have not. I don't think I've seen State of the Union. Somebody else told you about this show. Continue on. It was you. So it's it was a not couple... me. I would remember this because I freaking love couple therapy shows. <laughs> I tell okay, people so all the time, couple... if I was not a coach, I would be a marriage therapist because I freaking love marriage and helping people okay. have healthy ones. <laughs> so this the first season, uh, there's two seasons. Both of the couples... Sorry, the first season and the second season, they're kind of the same. A couple will meet for like a drink at a bar. The episode's like five to 12 okay, minutes long. Okay, I know exactly what episode you're talking. I know. Okay, yes. I have seen this show. I totally forgot and then about they, it. I was picturing and a then non-fiction they go show. I wasn't picturing a, a like fictional show. Yes. I can picture the actress and the actor. I don't remember their names, but she was in uh, Pride and Prejudice. She was not Kira Knightley. She was the supporting actress. Anyways, continue. So he created that, which took us 12 minutes to get to. But you introduced me. I did introduce you to that show. Yep. I thought that was going to be the only reference you're going to get to Nick Hornby in here. Is there Uh, another? All of them. I got all of them, but that one. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. But yeah, there's a second season. Okay. Uh, It's not as good as the first season. Okay. Shoot. Okay. Apple TV, right? Uh, Prime. Prime. Okay, guys. Takeaway from this episode, go watch State of the Union. 
It's good. <laughs> the, the first season is is excellent. Uh, he wanted to compare these two prolific artists. Uh, Dickens and Prince were super prolific. And he was like, it doesn't make sense. Like, you're not going to get why I want to compare these two. Because one is like a writer from 100 years ago. And one is a like pop musician from 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to think they have a lot in common. They have a ton in common. Okay, so let's go what they have in common. And then we'll hit through some of the big points uh, that I found fascinating that we can kind of take back. Both had horrible childhoods. They had terrible parents. They lived in poverty. They both became successful in their 20s and only became more famous and successful with age. Uh, Both had weaknesses for women. Both had a massive lasting impact on culture. Uh, You can refer to both of them by one name and you know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, They both died from overwork. So Prince, yes, he died from a drug overdose, but it was from a prescription addiction that originated from a hip injury that he got from dancing during his shows. So I think yes. And then at about exactly the same age, Dickens was 58, Prince was 57 and 10 months. So nearly 58. Wow. Okay, fun fact. Have I ever told you before that I I know Prince's middle school music teacher? No. Yeah. Fun fact. I'm famous. (laughs) I feel like here's my thing, and I really loved it growing up in Minnesota. It's like every person had a Prince story. Really? I feel like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody does. That's like fine. we were talking to one of our family friends once and they're like, oh, yeah, we used to go to Prince's club and like we saw him a few times. And like people will be like, oh, I saw Prince here or I saw Prince there. The best stories are Prince knocked on my door because he was a Jehovah's Witness. Seriously? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that we've both established a foundation in Prince, what comes next? Uh, all right. So let's talk about the things. So... 10,000 hours. Shannon, you have heard this mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. I've heard this before. Everybody's heard this before. Like, we've all heard you need to achieve mastery in something. You need to hit 10,000 hours of practice first. But Nick Hornby suggests that to become a genius at something, you need 10,000 hours of consumption as well. So Whoa. not only is it the practice piece of it, it is the consumption piece of it. So... What he says about Dickens is that Dickens read voraciously and went to the theater constantly, while Prince listened to everything and tried to take it all apart to understand how it worked. Mm. So not only were they prolific producers, they were also fans of the art forms that they were producing within. So you really can't explain either of their geniuses, except that we can say that the sum total of their life experiences led them to become the way they were. And they were voracious consumers of the art forms in which they were producers. That's just insane to me. Like I'm just doing math. How many hours are there in a year? 365 times 24. Oh, I guess that's not that much. Well, no, because you would literally have to spend... Every single hour could not sleep. There's 8,760 hours in a year. Let's say that you can only use half of them, which is still a metric F ton. That's 12 hour days devoting yourself to the craft. 
whatever. My math says 20,000 hours. Like you have to put in 10,000 and you have to be consuming for 10,000. That's based on your math, though. That's five years. That's not that long. I don't, that's five years of soul dedication. And I don't know how feasible that is. That's incredible. But if we're saying, I think for me, the pivot here is we've all heard the 10,000 hour thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. To become an expert, a master of whatever it is, like you need to put in 10,000 hours. Yeah. I think his pivot is, but you also have to put in, you also have to be passionate about that thing enough to want to study it and absorb it and like appreciate it, which I think is the part that gets missed. It's like, oh, I can be a hockey savant if I play hockey all the time, but am I going to be watching people play hockey? Am I going to be watching the greatest of all time? Am I going to be watching Gretzky in all of his games and take all of that in and try and replicate that? In the same way that a musician will listen and then play it back, right? They say that Jimi Hendrix uh, heard the um, Beatles album Sgt. Pepper's mm-hmm. in the morning and then at night was already playing it on stage. Wow. Honestly, this reminds me of Nate right now. My husband is, I mean, for a few years, he's been fully enthralled with this new hobby of golf. He is watching golf videos constantly. Like, these YouTube creators going over their games and like the ins and outs of it. And he just had his first round one over par and he was ecstatic, you know, but it's like, cause he's mm-hmm. really devoted himself to it. Not just in going and golfing himself, but in st- studying the craft, like in studying other people who are playing the game. So it checks. Okay, so you answered my question, so I will not ask that question. Oh, shoot. But Nate, well, sorry. Nate is, no, Nate is the one. He's doing it with golf. He's taking it in. Yeah. And he's also doing it. But it's it's both. And I think that's the part is, like, you have to be passionate about the thing so that you want to spend the time doing it, which I think is cool. Oh, but uh, I'm curious, like, in your life, where is this showing up? I don't know. I think it... I will never be a master of anything because I get very excited about things and will devote all my energy to it. And then it will become a asset that I have. Mm. And then I'll go on to the next thing. I'm a incessantly curious creature. You are. I love that about you. For me, it shows up in Um, coaching for me directly. Like I could, it's compelling to me to hear you say that because it justifies one of my hobbies, which is like basically just to watch recordings of other people coaching. Cause Mm -hmm. it's like fascinating to me to just notice the different styles the different ways it's fascinating but that's what i'm saying like to become an expert you are so enthralled by that space and that work that you want to see the <laughs> masters at work so i literally you go can coach learn and from them watch other people coach <laughs> well yeah because you want to become the best coach that you yeah. can because you're so passionate about it which is yeah i think inspiring to the rest of us who haven't found the thing that makes us passionate mm. to like see people who are passionate like i like that more than my own time investment into things okay let's talk some more about these two uh, dickens and prince uh so you could argue that hornby's comparisons start to become unstuck because he says that prince did his most iconic and best love work in his 20s uh while Dickens produced some of his best work in the 20s. So Dickens in his 20s made um, Oliver Twist and Nicholas Nickleby, which are two very famous ones. But then he continued to make, write more things uh, 
throughout his career. Um, where he says like Prince never, never reached that same heyday that he got in the eighties, which was purple rain sign of the times. Really those, that time frame. Yeah. Um, so, so that's where they differ. Like Dickens kept going and you're, and he's saying like, Prince no, kind of got a little he's stuck. He's saying that like, no, cause he's saying that like, the things that Prince is most well known for happened in his twenties where, Dickens may have produced his most uh, technically beloved works, Oliver Twist and Nicholas Nickleby at that point. But he still, I mean, he went on to write in his 30s. He wrote A Christmas Carol and David Copperfield. Holy crap. Uh, in his 40s, he wrote Bleak House, A Tale of Two Cities, and Great Expectations. Wow. That's mind-boggling. Yeah, but Prince in the 90s, which were his 30s, he wrote Cream, Diamonds of Pearls, My Name is Prince, Sexy MF, and Thieves in the Temple. So it's like we still got a ton of hits from him. It wasn't that it wasn't it just wasn't the same level of hits as he had gotten before. And so he kind of says that there's mm-hmm. like a difference there. But I think the interesting things uh is that like even if we're out of that peak in the what he's saying their peak is in like their 20s. We still create masterpieces, mm-hmm. right? Like Cream, Sexy MF, or A Tale of Two Cities in A Christmas Carol. Like, those are masterpieces. They just didn't happen to come during, like, their most uh, beloved peak of their careers. So my question for you, Shannon, is where do you feel like you are in terms of peak in your coaching career? This feels like such a vulnerable question, but it's good. We should talk about the good vulnerable shit. Uh, I'm definitely not at my peak, but I'm a person that I don't think I will ever think I'm at my peak. Are you going to look back, though, <laughs> you know I mean? on this like, and be like, oh, no, I was peaking. That was the peak. No, I'm not peaking yet. And I know that because for me, I want to be this is where it feels like a little vulnerable and tender. I I am so committed to being deeply present for my child's life, mm-hmm. you know, and she's going to be nine soon and she's going to be out of the house in like 10 years. And so I'm very intentional and deliberate of like not going for broke, so to speak, on my coaching career right now so I can be deeply present for her. And in the back of my head, I kind of always have this mindset of like when when Talia's in college like that's probably when I'm gonna be going for broke like that's gonna I'm gonna be like whoa peak and honestly I'm excited about that because it gives me all this time to continue We're to fine. to hone my craft to tweak to tweak and then just like explode when she's launched so that's why it feels like vulnerable because it's tender because I don't think that's the thing you're supposed to say I think you're supposed to say like no I'm pursuing peak right now I mean I guess you could say I am but in a very quiet way. I like that. In a 10 year build kind like of way. That. What about you? I don't you? know. I don't Do know what like I'm attempting peak? to master. So I don't have a, a prolific peak, so to say, but maybe, maybe in five years, you'll be like, Oh, Rami, you've been doing nothing but X. Like Nate, like Nate wasn't golfing six years ago. He wasn't. So that's no. what I say. Like, like he had golfed here and there, but he is golf. like, he likes golf more than hockey now. And, and but I but he's acknowledged and he thinks it's like an age yeah. thing, you know? He's like he still plays hockey twice a week, but he's like a- accepting golf is going to be the sport of his future. Hockey was the sport of his past. But that's what I mean, like I haven't gotten to that inflection point. So, I'll I'll look for yeah. some yeah. tips from Nate when I get there. 
Um, nice. This is the part that I find the most important of this book and the most uh, deep connection between these two is how insanely productive both of them are. In Dickens' is novel writing career, he wrote over 4 million words. That does not count, which they keep finding more and more of, which is letters. Uh, they keep finding their books with thousands of pages of his letters and they keep finding more of his letters. So he's super, super prolific. Prince was exactly the same way. Uh, he produced dozens of records during his lifetime, uh, as well as writing songs for other artists and left behind an estimated 5,000 to 8,000 unreleased songs that a team of, uh, archivists are going through. So, Sign of the Times, I think that album is a double uh, LP. I think it has like, I don't remember, like 24 tracks on it or something. Something, it's like a big double album. Uh, when they re-released the like full extended edition with like the unreleased songs, the like uh, rough cuts and all that, I think it ended up being like 120 songs from just that album's recording session. And so we're saying that he has between 5,000 and 8,000 unreleased songs that are just sitting there like they've already released um, some of these like in extended edition so sign of times got like the full edition Uh, they just did um, diamonds and pearls as like a full expanded four disc set Uh, and they've welcome to America was an album that he never released that they've released like a full complete album that needed very little work uh Wow. And so the two guys were endlessly prolific, endlessly prolific, um, which I think is the one thing that super connects them. Like everything else is like these all make sense and make them seem similar. But like his whole thing in this book was there's no two people who are as prolific as these two. Like they exuded either Dickens for words or Prince for songs. Like there were stories about Prince where he would like record an album overnight with women that he was trying to seduce. Oh my gosh. Because he was that prolific. It was like, okay, we're going to record an album. That's crazy. So Shannon, let me ask you this. What makes you want to be endlessly prolific? I don't know that I want to be endlessly prolific, but I really do. I think this is just like a word tweak on my part. I do want to be in devotion to creation, you know, and like be in creation energy. I think you can be in creation energy in a lot of different ways. And for me, as a recovering work addict, it's like I actually have to be careful of like not going all in in one thing, you know, of like putting what I mean by that is putting all of my creation energy in just the work basket. So I try to be more deliberate of like, I still get to be in creation energy. And I get to think about what am I creating in my family life right now? What am I creating in my well being right now? What am I creating in my marriage right now? What am I creating my friendships right now? What am I creating in my work? I don't know. I feel like I avoided the question. Okay. I don't know if I I don't know if I want to be endlessly prolific in my work. I want to be endlessly creative in my life. What about you? What makes you want to be endlessly prolific? I don't know. I think I get inspired so 
quickly. Like I'll see a cool thing that's 3D printed. I'm like, okay, I need to go print that thing. Like I'm gonna go print that thing. Or like I'll eat something or I'll see someone make something. I'm like, okay, I wanna go make that thing. Like it's not like a specific thing. And I think I am incessantly curious and you are. Because of that, I get distracted very easily in that it's like, oh, I want to go print that thing. Okay, let's go print that thing. And then if I'm doing that and then I get distracted by, oh, I want to go like eat some food and then I find a cool recipe, then I'm like, okay, and now I'm distracted by that thing. It's like, um, I think it's having those things that make you want to be endlessly prolific that I think are the most fun. So mm. I want to end this. I'm going to bring it all home here, but I want to say... The goal of this is to find the thing that makes you want to be prolific and uh, produce a ton of stuff in the same way that they did. Uh, The next book that I'll cover, which will be in a few weeks, will be the opposite of this, which is called Never Enough, where you feel like everything that you are producing is just not enough and you could be doing more. So this one is more of a get inspired to try and produce more. And then, then we'll cover the, the opposite end of this where it's like, I feel like I just can never make enough. This is the, I'm low. I need to fill up. That is the, I'm high. I need to come down. I like this. Okay. I like the, the dichotomy there. Okay. So let me bring it home. Working too much is not the goal. The goal is to find something you want to be prolific at because you love it. And that, and doing that thing so much. If you need inspiration, look no further than Prince and Dickens. So this is how he ended the book. Uh, What matters to me is that Prince and Dickens tell me every day, not good enough, not quick enough, not enough, more, 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 think quicker, be more ambitious, be more imaginative. In whatever you do for a living, that's something you you need to hear every now and again. Were they happy? Probably not. Were they crazy? Probably. That too is beyond the scope of this book. This book is about work. And nobody worked harder than these two or at a higher standard while connecting so many people for so long. That's why I have photos of them both on my office wall. They will stay there for as long as I need them, which will be the rest of my life. Wow. And that's the author of this book saying that, not Correct. you, Rami, yes, saying that, is that Nick, right? That is or Nick do Hunt you Bain. also have? I do not. We have <laughs> pictures of Prince, but I don't have any pictures of Dickens. Maybe I'll get one of him. Sir Charles yeah. Dickens. That's awesome. That's so inspiring. Okay. It does make you it does make me think more consciously of what am I consuming and is what am I what I am consuming creating inspiration yeah. in me. You know, to like go to I again, I cringe a little bit at the word prolific, but to go create. Yes. You know, create something in my life. Yeah, I think that's the big thing is like how do you constantly get the push to like be creative find that outlet yes yes come up and out when we're in a a low point as yes. you said i love okay. it okay um with that we would love for you guys to connect with us on instagram on linkedin i want to know what your uh what your thing is nate would say golf shannon would say coaching rami would tell you mm-hmm. that i am uh, incessantly curious about all the things and need to probably find less things to be incessantly curious about. Uh, I will not. Um, but I want to know what your thing, what's the thing that gets you excited that you want to spend all your time on? Uh, Mm. and maybe we can make some cool friends and learn some cool things along the way. 
Uh, With that, I've been Rami. And I've been Shannon. And this has been Workplace Hugs. (laughs) 